Stepped into the rich room. Welcome. I'm your host, Lindsay Sobel. I got a doozy for y'all today. Uh, y'all want a real humbling experience? I was doing mic check trying to get the sound right for all of you and listening to Beyonce's version of Etta James' I'd Rather Go Blind. And I'm singing and checking the mic. And Beyonce's playing in here, but Beyonce ain't out here. And it was a real humbling experience. I'm going to reflect about that later. Um, it wasn't pretty. Ooh. Tried. So I'm trying to make the episode 30 minutes. I have to keep editing things out so that I don't get sued. The only feedback that I've gotten is from my mom. And she says the episodes are too short. So text me with your feedback. What do you like? What don't you like? I want to hear from you. 504-224-9919. I have a major announcement that I will be making at the end of this episode. But first, I absolutely love this time of year. I I don't care for the pumpkin spice of things. I'm not a pumpkin spice gal, and I feel like I'm in the minority here, but fuck a pumpkin spice latte. You know what I'm saying? I, on the other hand, prefer candles. Specifically, fall and winter candles from Bath and Body Works. Smell is the strongest of the senses and it evokes the strongest memory or the strongest reaction. Um, My mom instilled this in me when I was younger saying that you can tell when a house is clean by the smell of it. And it's true. Right when you open the door, you know whether or not your house just got cleaned. Um, My 11-year-old genius brain took this to heart and when I went to a summer camp in Italy when I was 11 for a month we had a challenge on who could clean their room the best and my competitive ass wanted to win although we strategically cleaned our room you your room can only be so clean right the rooms can only be so clean so I thought to myself what would take us over the edge And then it popped into what my mom had taught me, the smell. So I took some very light, fresh, clean smelling perfume and I sprayed it above the doorway right when the judges would enter the room. And it wasn't overpowering, it was wonderful. And it was the first sense they experienced when they walked in the room. And guess who won the fucking challenge? We did. And I'd like to think that it was my stroke of genius that gave us the competitive edge. At the same time, a bad smell will knock you on your fucking ass. I got a dog for law school mainly because I would be away from my daughter Madison frequently and I would need some companionship. And that's when I got my dog Sadie, who is absolute perfection. But when I came home from law school one day, uh, she had destroyed my living room with her ass. I got home from a long day of constitutional law, unlocked my door, turned the knob, 
open the door slightly and then like a ton of fucking bricks, the smell of diarrhea hit me. This is TMI, but my dog literally, I'm not going to tell this. This is too much. This is TMI, but my dog literally like project projectile shit up the wall. Like it was on the wall, but like three feet taller than her. I have no idea how she did this. Um, I was simultaneously horrified and impressed. My candle obsession really took off in law school. I would frequently go to my friend Rebecca's house and we would burn candles, order sake cafe, and watch American Horror Story. All while we studied and made flashcards for our classes. I could totally be a candle vlogger like that bitch in Scream Queens. Speaking of bitches, Emma Roberts plays a super bitch very well in Scream Queens and in American Horror Story. Okay, I love American Horror Story. Season three, what Coven was about witches, and it was filmed in New Orleans and aired on Wednesdays while I was in law school. I was so fucking into that show, and I wanted to be a witch so damn bad. I would dress in all black every Wednesdays. I think there was even like a marketing thing at the time that said on Wednesdays we wear black. American Horror Story is created by Ryan Murphy, who also created Glee and the oldie but goodie Nip Tuck. And this season really gives me Nip Tuck vibes. You may want to skip this season if you are pregnant, think you might be pregnant, or could become pregnant in the future. It's very baby pregnant IVF heavy, and it could be unpleasant if you found yourself in a family way. The first episode was really great and stars Emma Roberts and also Kim Kardashian. There was a lot of backlash regarding the casting of Miss Kim K this season, but I have to say she fucking killed it. She did a very good job at acting. I was fucking impressed. I guess people can't say she doesn't have talent anymore. I mean, she has a JD. She has a law license. She's a respected actress. I did not have that on my 2023 bingo card. Good for you, Glen Coco. Oh my God, did y'all know there is a National Divorce Day? I did not know about this. It lands on the first working Monday after every New Year's Eve, which is apparently the day that usually brings in a high volume of divorce inquiries to family lawyers. Huh. That is news to me. Uh, man, people are like, hey, we made it to Thanksgiving. Maybe we could make it to Christmas. And then once January rolls around, the couples are like, all right, I'm going to head out. Hmm. Okay, so I have a beach guy update. I'm going to call him Ken because, you know, Ken beaches. Well, I saw him the other day and, you know, we just said good morning, how are you, and then went on our separate ways. And I say that to everyone when I'm on my morning walks. I enjoy it very much. And I think that other people tend to enjoy it too, but that seems to be limited to the South. I went to New York City for my 21st birthday and I was walking the street and smiling at everyone, smiling and making eye contact. And people were looking at me like I was a mental patient. Uh, so I had to rein that in when I went somewhere that wasn't Southern. Okay, back to Ken. 
Well, a friend of mine texted me after hearing episode three and suggested that I initiate conversation with Ken. And let me just tell you, that ain't happening. If the critically acclaimed film He's Just Not That Into You starring Jennifer Goodwin taught us anything, it's that a guy will get in touch with you if he's interested. So I told my friend that if Ken wanted to talk to me, he would. I am done putting forth the effort first. I am ready to be courted. I am ready to be wooed. I ain't doing the same old dog and pony show that I've been doing my whole adult life. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. If nothing changes, nothing changes. I'm trying a different approach. And if that means I'll be writing solo Jason Derulo style for a while, then so be it. Jason Derulo. Well, this morning I was walking and see Ken from afar running my direction. I'm mentally preparing myself to give a jolly good morning for when we pass each other. And as I get close enough to say hello, Ken starts to pivot towards me and then starts to slow down and approach me. He stops and he says, uh, Lindsay, how have you been since the last time we spoke? And I was like, I've been good. And then he goes, oh, and he for sure has an accent. I'm not going to do the accent because I don't know if I'm allowed to do accents. But anyways, he motions to his face and says, uh, so did you just wake up like this? Beyonce's song lyrics will get you everywhere, sir. And I mean, the answer was yes. Yes, I do wake up like this. It was 6 a.m. Then he said that I should run with him sometime in the morning. And I was like, oh, I really prefer walking. And I fear that may have come off as dismissive, but I did not want to explain that I don't have the proper running equipment, AKA an over-the-shoulder boulder holder that would allow me to run on the beach with you, sir, without getting a black eye. And I just don't need those kind of problems right now. I mean, you should see the kind of running bra that I have to wear. I'm working with double Ds here, okay? And I've, they've been here for a long time and gravity has not been kind. You should see the running bra that I have to wear. First, we start off with like, Three, or it's my, yeah, I think it's three, like, industrial-sized button hooks. Not industrial-sized, industrial-grade button hooks. I mean, that shit ain't going anywhere. Once you hook the three hooks in the front, then there's a zipper on the outside that you know is meant to hold 20 pounds at least. Then each strap also is adjustable, and all you have to do is unvelcro it, tighten it and velcro it back and then you do the same thing with the other on the other side and my tits are up to my chin but I can actually run without feeling pain I just didn't feel like explaining all of that to Ken so I just told him I prefer walking and I really do like to walk well he then told me that I should get different shoes for walking and I was like but this is an outfit then he started to walk off, and I was like, have a good day. So that was it. Um, TBD. Okay, I have to tell y'all what happened to me. It was so random. So before I saw Ken, I saw a turtle on the beach. 
and it was right when the sun was coming up and it felt really odd to see a turtle on the beach it felt like the turtle was direct looking directly at me I mean he was pointed towards me his head was outside of his shell and it looked like he was staring me the fuck down and the turtle obviously did not belong on the beach it was not a sea turtle it was like one of those turtles you would find in your yard after a heavy rain you know what I mean So I hopped off the boardwalk and I started walking towards the turtle in the sand. So I picked it up and I walked it across Highway 90 and walked it into a big field of grass that had like a lot of trees and I was hoping some food and maybe some water for the turtle, but I don't think he was getting anything on the beach. So I feel like that was the right call. I walked back across the highway to continue on my journey. That's when I noticed the turtle tracks in the sand. And the further I walked on the boardwalk, the further the tracks went down the beach. This little bitty turtle walked at least a mile on the beach. And it was clear from the tracks in the sand that the turtle was so confused. And I just like started crying. I don't know why. (laughs) It's like not only did the turtle travel for a far distance, but there were tracks that showed where it tried to figure out a different way off the beach and there were like little turtle track circles and I could tell from the tracks that the turtle kept searching for a way off the beach and it doubled back several times in different areas along the path I felt so sad I'm gonna start fucking crying I felt so sad for the turtle's struggle and that it couldn't figure out how to get home and that turtle was just like staring at me like saying bitch come get me And that turtle must have been so relieved when I picked it up and put it in like the shade in the grass where he could eat and fucking live. (sighs) Why does this upset me so much? Am I the turtle? I'm writing this down to talk to my therapist in therapy. Get ready, Brandy. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get my rich bitch tip of the week out of the way. Because I got some things to get off my chest for the rest of this episode, and it's going to take some time. We might be pushing 30 minutes this time. I have shared with y'all my mission to enrich my life and find a way to financial riches and financial freedom. And I've been sharing with you what I've discovered after learning how to pull myself out of a hole. And this is very simple, but it's very important. You need to make yourself happy your main source of happiness needs to come from yourself not your partner not your job not your kids you need to make you happy all of the other stuff is great but I have learned that the relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship you will have in your life and honestly if you're unhappy there really is the simplest fix you It's like Melissa McCarthy's character said to Kristen Wiig's character in Bridesmaids, you're your problem and you're also the solution. It is your job to make yourself happy. It's also your job to stay positive and to not negatively affect the people around you. I highly recommend that anyone on this earth and maybe even the aliens too, to read The Energy Bus by John Gordon. It's a very easy read. It's a very short book, but it 
packs a wallop. If you own a company or business or lead people or manage people, this book is for you. Now, I'm not just talking about things that make you happy, like frozen Cokes and candles and all things Beyonce. Speaking of Beyonce, I'm going to the Renaissance tour in New Orleans and I'm taking Madison, who has never seen Beyonce. I am beyond excited. I am also wearing Renaissance tour merch until the concert and probably after the concert too. Beyonce has brought out several major artists during her shows, including Kendrick Lamar, fucking amazing, and Megan Thee Stallion. I'm going to go ahead and call Nicki Minaj and Nola. Hashtag Nola for Nikki. This episode will come out after I've attended the concert. So let's see how psychic I am. Maybe psycho. I don't know. Back to making yourself happy. I'm talking about making yourself happy by showing up for yourself, by keeping promises to yourself, by taking care of your mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional well-being. There's really no excuse to be unhappy anymore. It has never been easier to learn a different skill or educate yourself in a different area. If 2023 is the year of the divorce, 2024 is the year of self-education. So start thinking about what you want out of life and find a way to make it a business. You can literally do anything you want. Look at Donald Glover. He was a comedian and then became Childish Gambino. Who is he dating? If I dated him, would I have to call him Childish or Donald? But I feel like if I called him Childish, it would be kind of like a dig. Like, uh, hey, Childish. Like, that sounds like a dig. I don't know. Frankie Muniz was an actor and then became a race car driver. Jake Gyllenhaal is now an MMA fighter. Anything is possible. Let's learn some shit, okay? I got a bone to pick with HBO. It was recently announced that my favorite show, Winning Time, was canceled after two seasons. The first season was in 2022, and my ex and I were always looking for a show to watch together. We needed a compromise. He didn't like Housewives, and I didn't like watching 12 hours of people talk about sports. And I don't normally watch shows about an NBA powerhouse, but I said, fuck it, let's give it a whirl. I mean, I love John C. Riley, and I wanted to see how he did in a more dramatic role. I think he was in a different show that had a dramatic role, or maybe it was a parody of something. I don't know. He was in Step Brothers. He was in Talladega Nights, you know, shake and bake. After episode one of Winning Time, I was fucking hooked. Um, not to sound dramatic or to oversell it, but it's the best show I've seen in my entire fucking life. The best music, the best cinematography. I love how each character is sort of a narrator. I love how each character breaks the fourth wall and addresses the audience. The show weaved in real footage from the 70s and real people. We had Mike Epps playing Richard Pryor. Paula Abdul is portrayed in it as the first Laker girl. So is Jack Nicholson. Well, he's not a Laker girl. You also see how Iman was married to and had a child with Spencer Haywood on the Lakers team and then went on to marry David fucking Bowie. This show is rich in culture and it was so fucking entertaining. Season one was spectacular. Uh, I campaigned and lobbied to so many people to watch this show. So in short, it's about, or supposed to be about, the Lakers dynasty, which I'm sure everybody knows, you know, like... LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, 
magic. It really begins with the purchase of the Lakers by Jerry Buss, which played by John C. Riley. Watch me paddle, motherfucker. America's sweetheart Sally Fields is in it. If that's not a reason to watch, then I don't know what is. The casting is unreal. It follows Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Larry Bird, and other NBA players in the 70s. Jason Siegel plays Paul Westhead. Adrian Brody plays Pat Riley. There's also Jerry West, but I'm not sure who plays him. But might I just say, tip of the hat, sir. Season one opened with Magic Johnson at what appears to be a medical clinic. And I'm presuming that is when he received his HIV diagnosis. Obviously a tense and powerful scene. But it was never explained in season two. And now the fucking show is over and we'll never get to see the explanation in that scene. Season two was also very good. But HBO did what HBO does and started significantly accelerating the timeline. You can't have a fucking dynasty in only two goddamn seasons, HBO. HBO has blamed the actor strike for the low viewership numbers and the series cancellation. But I'm going to argue that the issue was with the horrible title, Winning Time. Winning Time! Oh, come see us at the Winning Time! It's generic, it's vanilla, it's uninspired. That is not how we describe a fucking dynasty. I'm mad because I fell in love with the show and it's been taken away from me. The show came into my life at a time where my mind felt like it was hard to control. And watching the show made me think about the mindset of professional athletes. Like how they take so much ridicule and criticism on a very public level, but still have to go out and perform in front of people who hate them and love them at the same time. That takes a powerful and strong mindset. Um, the show was kind of a welcome distraction during a dark time. I was very excited to have found a show about a fucking dynasty, meaning that it would go on for more than two fucking seasons, HBO. Also... I found a role where I liked Adrian Brody. I have never, ever liked Adrian Brody. I have never forgiven him for rape-kissing Halle Berry at the 2003 Oscars when he won Best Actor Award for his role in The Pianist. That's a 20-year grudge. A grudge that was shattered by outstanding programming put on by the clowns at HBO. This is a little too familiar to the loss I sustained following the firing of Brandy and Julie from Jeff Lewis Live a few weeks ago. I haven't listened to Jeff Lewis Live in weeks. My relationship with that show lasted longer than my fucking marriage. So yeah, it's a fucking big deal. And while I'm at it, HBO, I liked The Idol. Also fucking canceled. Yeah, it was weird, but I fucking liked it. It was different, it was intriguing, and it made me want to keep watching. It starred Lily Depp Rose and The Weeknd. And I mean, man, people just complain about fucking everything. And sometimes I just hate social media. People were saying her dance moves were cringy. Her dance moves are supposed to be cringy, you fucking idiot. The whole point of the show is that she doesn't like where she's going creatively and feels like it's not authentic to her. It feels cringy because it is cringy to her, you fucking twat. Okay, that went a bit far. People also were saying, we don't like The Weeknd's character. You're not supposed to like The Weeknd's character. He's like a sex cult leader who's manipulating 
all of this group of talented artists and to making, well, great fucking art, but at what cost? But you're not supposed to like him. I want to see the episode that got cut from the season. So the season, or I guess a mini season, it was only it was supposed to be six episodes, and we only got five episodes. It was announced that Maddie from Euphoria would reprise her role as Maddie, but in The Idol. Obviously, that's the episode that got taken out, but I need to see that episode because the ending was the ending and I was very confused. And another thing, HBO, the last season of Game of Thrones was absolute fucking trash. If I wasn't using someone else's HBO, I would cancel HBO. I would do it right the fuck now. Me and HBO are on a break right now. I'm not happy. No mo HBO ho. I'm strictly Apple Plus now. Even though it's not as fun to rhyme with. I love Ted Lasso. I love Shrinking. I love the documentary 1971. And I love The Morning Show. And I absolutely stan Stella. I like her minimalist style. I like her emotional intelligence. I like her streetwear business casual attire. I like that she's in her 30s but crushing being an executive. I love that she goes toe-to-toe with Corey but then also bros out with Corey and drinks whiskey after a hard fucking day. I even love her short bang haircut and I've literally never said that. She's also super mysterious and obviously we will discover more, but we saw her delete a picture of her and Paul Marks played by John Hamm. And in the picture, her hair is really, really long, which is a stark contrast to her short bang pixie cut now. Honestly, I was getting lesbian vibes, but maybe I was wrong. You know, ladies always do a hair change after a breakup. While I kind of did a hair change... I just went back to my natural hair. I mean, I color my hair because I have grays, but I don't want to talk about it. But these curls, these curls are natural and I kind of like them. Well, the morning show really went there in episode three titled White Noise. Last episode, we learned that there was a major data hack and the attacker wanted a ransom of $50 million dollars. Corey wanted the board to vote to pay because the hackers were threatening to release internal emails of UBA employees. And there is some indication that Bradley and Corey either slept together or killed someone. Maybe both, but I still can't tell. Anywho, Sybil, an old white lady who controls the board of directors, senses that Corey has something to hide and convinces the board to not pay the ransom. Well, that shit came back to bite her in her old white ass. The hackers weren't paid. The emails were released. Well, there is an email exchange where the board of directors is discussing how they are paying the new co-anchor, Chris Hunter, a black woman, played by Nicole Bahari, less than Bradley Jackson, a white woman, played by Reese Witherspoon. In this email exchange, Sybil compares Chris Hunter to Aunt Jemima. Um, that's racist as fuck. Then more emails are released and it's discovered that there's a pattern of UBS paying minority employees less money. Yikes. I know these themes are difficult for some people to talk about, but it's important. 
so many of my friends have young kids and I feel like we as a society have the opportunity to not pass down generational biases and prejudices to our kids. So we're just going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable until we get this shit right, okay? Sybil comes up with an idea for Alex Levy, played by Jennifer Aniston, to interview her so Sybil can tell her side of the story. I don't really know what she thinks she could say, but okay. Alex and Chris then decide that Chris should be the one to interview Sybil. Because otherwise it'd be just like two white ladies talking about racism and... That's not very productive. So, Sybil made the racist comment about Chris, and Chris is going to interview Sybil. You can tell that Sybil really lacks accountability and displays a total unawareness of the gravity and implications of what she said. And really, she fails to see how the pay disparity is a major issue. So the interview goes down. Chris interviews Sybil and... Chris fucking crushes it. She kicked into her like Olympian mindset and fucking delivered. Sybil, on the other hand, really fucked it up. For a minute, it appeared that Sybil was going to talk her way out of it, but then she just digs herself deeper in a hole and tries to argue that Chris should be grateful for the opportunity even though she's paid less than her white counterpart. And she demands that UBA move on from a client where racial inequities are exploited. Chris has a mic drop moment by pointing out that generally all climates have racial inequities. Wow. So what I really liked about this episode is we saw the fallout from Chris's perspective. We saw her face Sybil, even though it was a major struggle for her, even though she was losing sleep, even though she was stressed, even though she was anxious, even though it affected the time with her child and the time with her husband. Oh my gosh, and we just saw Marcus's unwavering support. I literally teared up when they locked hands after she finished the interview. It felt so powerful. The episode very artfully demonstrated that racial inequities are not usually overt. Like Chris said that she had never been to the executive floor. Um, Corey was obviously uncomfortable and not trained to handle the situation. Totally swept the issue under the rug and really did not even allow Chris to speak. But at the very time, saying to her in her face how much she's valued, but then not letting her speak. His actions were not aligning with his words in the least bit. Chris was also accused of being unqualified or untested to be a TV anchor, but then reveals that she was Q-tested more than any other anchor. The lack of internal process and system was also noticeable to me. UBA appears to be loosely based on NBC, which is a major broadcast network. And I'm not saying that NBC doesn't have this process in in place because how would I know? But UBA on the show doesn't appear to have any process in place to handle this kind of issue with Sybil. And it left the middle managers to decide what's best in the moment. And that's fucked up. It's fucked up. Problems do not go away just because you pretend they don't exist. Well, Yanko had some, like, in a vacuum talking points and was talking about playing the victim, even though Chris was attacked, 
She did not play the victim. Chris was the victor. Okay, sharp turn. Lily Reinhart recently expressed her frustration with lack of average-sized bodies shown in today's mainstream media, specifically arms. I have to say I fucking agree. Wait, Lily Reinhart, who's she? Okay, she was in Hustlers. Okay, she's cute. Um, I agree, and really more specific... My issue is geared specifically more towards women's blazers. As an attorney, I have many, many blazers. And it's a real low feeling when you're at the store trying to get you a new blazer, a new fresh fucking suit, and your arm won't go through the arm of the blazer. Blazers, for some reason, fit so fucking tight on my arms. Literally to the point sometimes where it's dug into my skin and left marks. I'm assuming that these blazers are not being designed with average bodies in mind. And maybe I'll just have to fuck around and design a blazer for normal arms. Woo! I'm on a tear today. While I'm at it, who the fuck was supposed to teach me how to do my taxes? Are there people out there who just learned about taxes prior to having to pay taxes? I honestly still do not understand our tax system. I know you have to pay it. I know you have to guess how much you have to pay. And if you don't pay, you go to jail. Ooh, I'm going to bring it down a minute. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Drumroll, please. I have signed a lease on a house. And I am moving out of my parents' house. Everybody knows that I'm getting divorced. um, But I have been in a temporary living situation since April. I'm ready to have a place of my own so I can finish healing and start the next chapter of my life. I love the coast. It's beautiful. It's a great place to grow up if you're not a pregnant teen. I mean, if I just take a trip down memory lane, it's not all good memories. A teen pregnancy had some ramifications. Bitches tried to get me kicked out of cotillion, which is like debutante, which is kind of fucked up, but no one has ever told me that they thought it was fucked up. They, like, sent a secret letter out to everybody in the club and asked if they wanted to kick me out. Now, you know I'm old because this story includes letter writing and not texting. I remember being like, uh, what the fuck, bitches? And was told something to the effect of, do you think you're going to get into a sorority having a baby? And honestly, I did. I did think I would get in. I had a 4.0. I was active in multiple sports and clubs, but I was wrong and was not allowed to move on in rush because there's a rule that a girl with a baby can't be in a sorority. Okay, fine. But you want to know what the real fucked up thing is? My daughter's father was allowed to rush a fraternity. Oh, well, he's back in jail now. Not kidding. So yeah, not all good memories. Oh, and did I forget to mention where I'll be moving? It's a major city in the southeast that Will Smith wrote a bop about. Miami. It's Miami. Yes, I will be close to Madison, but I am not going to cramp her college style. I got a lovely, charming house, and I am very excited to see what's in store for me. 
Also, I will be having guests at some point. Once I move to my house, I can set up a proper podcast space instead of using my mom's house. So now that I am moving, it is time to go through my shit and decide what I want to take. After the split, my ex and I put all of our stuff together in a storage unit. He took the stuff he wanted to take. I took the rest of it. Very amicable. No issues at all. Divorce doesn't have to be, like, fucked up. It doesn't have to be. It can be peaceful. And so far it has been. And I'm really grateful for that. Until I found out that he took my clear mixing bowl set. I got married in 2022. And had a huge wedding and received all of these lovely gifts. And you aren't getting those gifts back, by the way, even though I'm getting divorced. Just thank you. But you know what? I threw a kick-ass party, so I feel like we're square. I made most, if not all, the selections on the wedding registry. Champagne flutes, a lovely glass decanter. But my most prized gift that I knew would be the ultimate game changer was a 10-piece set of clear glass mixing prep bowls. Who got me these bowls? That's the beautiful thing about Zola. You can look up anything. Alexis Joachim, thank you for your excellent choice. These bowls were going to change me, transform me into Martha Stewart, Gwyneth Paltrow, Chrissy Teigen, just from using these magnificent prep bowls. They're like Russian doll clear bowls from a super big bowl to a little bitty tiny saucer bowl. I use them for everything. The tiny ones for soy sauce, ketchup, ranch, Catalina. If you haven't tried Catalina on your pizza yet, do yourself a favor and go to Rouse's right now. I use the medium bowls for cereal. I use the big bowls for a big bowl of cereal and popcorn, really. Now, that's not how I wanted to use them, but I knew that I had these clear mixing bowls. And once I got to a certain fucking point, these clear mixing bowls would be me. I would be the clear mixing bowls. I knew that these bowls would propel me into the best version of myself where I pre-measure out all ingredients to a fabulous meal in these tiny little prep bowls and effortlessly dump each ingredient into a larger clear glass mixing bowl and then mix them all together. That sounds like a bitch who has her shit together. So I start going through all the boxes and meticulously unwrapping all of the bubble wrapped glass, thinking to myself that I did a fantastic job packing, but I didn't see the bowls. I keep searching and searching and finally I found one of my elegant bowls. I quickly realize, however, that there are no other bowls from the 10 piece set. I was missing nine bowls. So I was like, huh, that's strange. Surely my ex didn't take the nine bowls. So I take a picture of the one bowl that I have and send it to my ex and I ask if he has the other nine bowls. Turns out, he fucking did. My immediate reaction was rage. You know how much I love these bowls. You never even use them. Just like Olivia Pope, all I eat is popcorn. But then I kept processing. And I realized that my ex went through all of our stuff and specifically picked out these chic glass life-changing bowls that I picked out. I decided not to get mad and to laugh instead. My excellent taste is reflected in selecting these magical bowls. 
My ex obviously has excellent taste, evidenced in his selection of these glass bowls from our storage unit to start his new life journey. And even though we didn't work out, he obviously has excellent taste. And since you've made it to the end of episode four, you clearly have exceptional taste as well. That is it for episode four of The Rich Room. Don't forget to text or leave me a voicemail with your questions, comments, and critiques at 504-224-9919. Follow me at Lindsay underscore Sobel and also follow The Rich Room Podcast. Leave us five stars. What do you say we do what the man says and make today our masterpiece, okay? Bye, bitches. Bye.